welcome to episode 625 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? We can recreate the conversation that we just had before. Nah, let's be fresh and new. That's what I like. You sure? Yeah. All right, we can get into it. <laughs> it was good. Just, you know. Gone to the ether. Yeah. All right. I'm not editing it back in either. No, I don't blame you. All right, so we got news today. We're going to make this a short show for our 625th anniversary show. <laughs> right. Uh, for the third week in a row, Dark Horse is in the news. And uh, we also get a response to what and how Marvel is handling the redeem codes for the uh, Fortnite comic that they did. I think that just wraps up this week. And also, uh, with a vengeance and a triumphant return, the Rob Watch is back, ladies and gentlemen. Given to the bump. Yes. Oh, well, again... We'll get into the bumps later on. Uh, conventions uh, this weekend. There's a there's a few. Uh, we got what we read from this past week, which is Vanish number one and Nightwing ninety six. Uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, the results from last week's voting in Todd and Joe have issues, aka Todd and Joe go rogue, aka the Silver Standard. Uh, I do like people are contacting us now you know, 40 weeks into this bit. And I'm like, wait a minute, how does this work now? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, boy. I, anyway. I may have thank- to talk about Kite Man when we get there for one second. But anyway. <laughs> He's already eliminated. Right. Well, somebody was bringing something up, and I want to I want to be able to answer back. But that's Okay. Fine. All right. Fair enough. You know your business. Uh, we have the next matchup. And then, of course, we have discussion of TV stuff from this past week, and there was a ton. Uh, We have the latest episodes of She-Hulk, Stargirl, and the three-episode premiere event of Andor. Right. I was hoping you were going to say we have She-Hulk and or Stargirl. Right. (laughs) And I would have been, we could do them both. I already had penciled in that the episode title was going to be and or. Right. Uh, but then I have something else in my notes that it could be. We'll see. Gotcha. And it could be something else. It could be another weird third thing as well for the show title. You never know. Something stupid may get said. Right. You listening to the show know what the show title is before we recording the show is. Right. Uh, so, as mentioned, Dark Horse in the news yet again. Um, they uh, have announced that alongside Marvel and IDW... Uh, they are going to be going exclusive with Pingu- Penguin slash uh, Random House uh, for getting their books to the direct market and comic book stores. Now, uh, granted, it's not going to start until June of 2023, uh, but with Marvel and IDW and now Dark Horse here, uh, DC and tons of other smaller print press uh, over at Lunar, uh, things aren't looking good for Diamond. I think they're phasing out. Well, not phasing out. They'll do independent comics because it'll be a big chunk of it. But I see them becoming like with their Di- with Diamond Select toys and stuff like that. I see them becoming a more like merchandise based uh, distributor over comics. 
Right. And that is from Diamond's press release about it, you know? Um, then they said that, um, you know, uh, Diamond or Dark Horse has been a valued partner for close to 30 years. It's actually been more than 30 years. You know, we're reading the con- we're reading the previews catalogs and they've been in there since at least 1989. Right. Right. Uh, but they say that we're pleased to maintain our role as distributor of Dark Horse merchandise worldwide. Uh, it is important to note that while Dark Horse is an established name in the industry, the expected impact of this change to Diamond's Dark Horse direct market sales represents approximately 1% of Diamond's top-line sales. Shots fired. I was going to say, like, boy, howdy. Like, yeah, you guys could go, but you guys are like this little penny, you know, of what we actually do, you know? Right, the penny plunderer, if you Right. Um, so it's at this point that Image is the largest uh, dis- uh, the publisher that is still uh, with Diamond. Right. And that's without Walking Dead, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, there's a ton that are going through Lunar. There's a ton that are going through both Diamond and Lunar. But uh, it's just interesting to see so many people, like... Is getting their stuff in bookstores, which I assume what the Penguin Random House thing helps, is it that lucrative? Are they getting a better cut of things? I haven't talked to our local retailer recently about if there's any sort of updates or changes in the way stuff is getting shipped to the store from Penguin Random House. Um, It's slightly better than slightly worse again. Uh Uh-huh. Like, it was an up and down because I was listening to them, like, how they packed the books one day. And it was like, okay, and, you know, after the first couple rounds and things got bad, um, they beefed it all up. And then they slowly, like, walked it back because the way it was explained to me is that Diamond has bigger discounts, but Penguin Random House has free shipping or lower shipping, if you will. I don't know if it's exactly free. But what happened is they didn't, they factored in, just dropped these comics in a cardboard box with no protect. Like, if the corner of the box gets dinged, then all the comics in that corner get destroyed. So they, when they add, when they beefed it up, that cut into their shipping costs and nobody crunched numbers for that. So they had, they kind of like rolled it back and it's still kind of a disaster. So you kind of got pros and cons with each of the companies sending you stuff. You know what I mean? Right. And one would have to wonder, as more and more folks maybe go through Penguin Random House, that they're going to have to, you know, pick up their game of shipping things better. But, I, you know, again, I didn't even think about, um, you know, with Diamond, all the other non-comic book stuff that they do. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. the whole merchandise thing in the back. And then they have a ton of, they have way, like all those independents that are in there and magazines and cards and you know, apparel and stuff like that. So right. I think they're going to lean, like they say, lean heavy into that and try to corner that market, if you will. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we had discussed a few months ago that Marvel uh, had stated that with the future printings 
of their Fortnite comic book that they did, uh, Fortnite X Marvel Zero War. Uh, that if they did second, third, etc. printings of this, those additional printings would not have the digital download things for in-game stuff. Which, you know, is really the reason why people were buying those books. You know, they're very serviceable comic books uh, written by Christos Gage, who's a very good writer. But, you know, people want, like, the funky skins and the emotes and the jazz like that, right? So what Marvel has announced is uh, that starting with this week, like as we record and this show goes live, uh, all five issues of the Fortnite X Marvel series is going to be up on Marvel Unlimited, which is one, a really quick turnaround, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But two, if you read all five issues through uh, Marvel Unlimited, with a paid account, it can't be like on your free trial, right. um, that if you read it within the first month that they're up there, then you will get the uh, six in-game bonus items. Right. And Joe, I definitely need both the adamantium claws pickaxe. I hope that uh, that turns hot. That would be great. And I need the schnick schnick spray. So... Right. Now, again, as a Marvel person and uh, ha- having a child who plays the Fortnite games, I have no idea what any of that's like. I don't know what a snick snick spray does. I mean, I would go into it, but we're trying to keep the show short. I'm oh, actually, OK. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I just saw schnick schnick spray and I'm like. I kind of want some of that. That sounds like that sounds like Spectrox related. Joe. Well, again, what isn't, but I I say that is an interesting way um, to get that to folks without having to put the codes in future editions, one, and two, to maybe drive more people to your online uh, digital thing, right? I agree, and I think it's a great, I do, I'm definitely behind the, it has to be the paid version, you know what I mean? Yeah not a free trial because then everybody's going to do the free trial sign up and get out you know yeah what sort of person would do that ask not for whom the rob trolls the rob trolls for thee and now the rob watch so uh it is been a week for the rob so, uh, comic book creator uh, of Megaton Man, Don Simpson, decided to take a shot at poor The Rob this past week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, The Rob put up um, a homage cover that he's doing on the whatnot that you'll be able to purchase um, next week. And it's a takeoff of his famous New Mutants 98 cover, uh, but with Spider-Man characters. Uh, now, listen, I'll, I'll be the first one to say, as a Spider-Man fan and as a The Rob, I would never say apologist, but I would definitely say understander. Um, this is bad even for him. What? It looks perfect, Joe. Yeah. Uh, but again, I don't care, right? Because it's the Rob. It's something that uh, does not appeal to me whatsoever. 
but Don Simpson was offended by this, uh, saying that the American comic book is officially dead. Uh, this is the worst art that I've ever seen in my life. Um, he goes on to tell tales of going to extreme studios back in the days and seeing early concept sketches for Rob's uh, Heroes Were Born Captain America. Um, and it's just these two just start snipping and sniping back and forth at each other over the last week in regards to all of this. Even the Rob kind of pulling out receipts uh, showing that uh, when there was a requested reprint of the Splitting Image comic that I think we just reviewed, uh, talked about recently in Previewing the Past. Right. Um, that when Jim Valentino came to the Rob and asked if it was okay uh, for them to do the reprint or whatever it was, the Rob kind of signed off on it. Um, I will say this, you know, Don Simpson seems like a nice enough guy, but like, I don't know why this of all things wrinkled him so much, you know, there's gotta be something in the weeds. You know what I mean? So yeah, something that just hasn't come out yet. And they've kind of been going back and forth, uh, quite a bit and still even so at, to this day, but I, I would say at least with what's been put out there, um, I think the Rob is on the right in this one. Mm -hmm. You know, like, say what you will about the Rob um, and his art. It may not be for you. Say what you may uh, say what you will about the Rob. His personality may not be for you. <laughs> but he really tried hard to take the high road on this. Right. Um, even though there were dozens of people just like baiting him and all sorts of stuff. And the Rob just kind of is like, I'm sticking to the facts on this one, you know? Right, which is weird. Um, I don't know. I guess we found somebody who's more, you know, out there than uh, the Rob, Don Simpson. I, I don't know. It's just, it just seems like I said, until I know everything, and I'm not, I, I'm with you. I don't like Rob's artwork. So I look at this cover and I go, it's pretty bad. So I'm in Don's corner on that. But whatever. It's a whatnot cover that I'm never going to get. That if it was on a book that I had to buy, I might turn it down. But, you know, it is what it is. Just, I don't know. Sometimes I feel bad when uh, people pick on the Rob. But then in a week, the Rob will do something, and I'll be like, we should all pick on him. I don't know. So, Well, you know, I know it's for next week, of course. Um, but the Rob is going to be at New York Comic Con, just like you are, Todd. Mm -hmm. And he did post up on his social media, uh, and I quote... This will be my second and last convention of 2022. New sentence. I've really cut back. New sentence. Hope to see you there. New sentence. My VIP packs are best value. Comma. And that's the end of the sentence. Mm, brother. <laughs> that's what he should have said. I don't know. HH. Uh, no. Uh, RL. TR. The Rob. You know. The Rob. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. That... That social media post seems like very much it was like comprised, composed by bots or something. Right. An AI, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, and I'm like, oh, he's only doing two more cons this year. Like New York's the like the last big one of the year. I don't know what the other one would be. 
Well, no, he had done uh, what he's saying is he had done one other convention earlier this year. Oh, OK. I got confused. Yeah. If you remember earlier in the year, there was a third one that he was supposed to do that had like the rooftop dining uh, deal with the Rob. And then we speculated that maybe when the Rob saw no one bought them, he decided to cancel at the last minute. And there was a whole back and forth with the uh, the people putting on the convention and the Rob there. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what I think? Uh, I think he should shave two appearances off his con uh, a year. That's all. Right. And listen, we're still, you know, uh, what are we? Seven, ten days away from New York Comic Con. Yep. A lot could happen between now and then. No, he goes to New York. He makes a ton of bank at New York Comic Con. He'll do because he's actually at the CGC table. doing like big signings like that's an on-site signing and he gets you know here's my cut of you know the signing money here's my cut of the cgc like he's gonna he's gonna do well at that one there's no way he's turning that one down listen i'm sure he'll be there i'm just saying still a lot of time between now and then that is true uh but there are some conventions happening this weekend um nothing has been canceled yet uh these all appear to be in non-hurricane affected areas and if you are in the florida area or any of the areas that are uh the carolinas uh anywhere that could be hit by the pending hurricane please be safe uh you know hopefully you are okay um yeah you know it's one of the one, one of the benefits of being in the Northeast that we don't have to worry about this sort of thing. We just have to worry about like miles of snow, you know, right? Or a heavy rain, not wind, like when the, the hurricane hits us. Yeah. So, like I said, just be careful. I know a lot of people were getting ready to travel and got out before the hurricane hit. A lot of people, unfortunately, weren't able to get out. A lot of people actually traveled to Florida. Uh, and unfortunately, like Disney even closed this week. Uh, they closed Wednesday and Thursday. Wow, that is big. Yeah, so that don't happen very often, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hey, maybe take a trip up to uh, Lafayette, Louisiana for Louisiana Comic Con and uh, go meet uh, Britt Baker. She's a dentist, I hear. And uh, Kabuki Crow himself, Sting. I get in that, con- that convention money. Oh, and again, they're number one and number two when it comes to that convention money. Good for them. Uh, Also, uh, up in our neck of the woods-ish in Westford, Mass, uh, is the New England Super Mega Fest. Uh, We've got uh, Larry Stroman and Pete Broderick there on the comic book side. And uh, media guest Todd, uh, Michael Winslow is going to be there. Oh, I'm going to give him a styrofoam cup and see what he can do. Yes. And Pete Best is going to be there. The fifth Beatle? Yes. Is it, who is it? Wasn't there like a Murray somebody that was a, allegedly also a fifth Beatle? There was a lot of fifth Beatles. Right. But he was the guy. I think he was like the manager. Like that was like literally the fifth Beatle. Hmm. So again, this is I think first time in show history that we've seen a Pete Best sighting at a convention. So, and then Would there be... was the guy who replaced Ringo for like eight concerts. Did you ever hear that story? No. Ringo got some sort of like got sick, and they were in Europe, so they brought over uh, a guy to like play, and he did 
like like eight shows. And then when Ringo was better, they just like carted him off in the night kind of a thing. Um, and he never really saw the Beatles again, but he went from, you know, into that lifestyle. Yeah. Where he was a nobody. And then like women like didn't care. They were throwing themselves at him. But he would like he talked about he was a guy who could go like, let's just say they're in Amsterdam or whatever. Like he could wander off. And like John Lennon was like, God, I wish I could do what you could do now because you just, you know, take the wig off and out the door you go, you know? Right. I always like that story. But anyway, Pete Best didn't get he at least he got paid eventually. So Yeah, eventually. And uh lastly we have the uh in Sioux City, Iowa. Uh and I think you would name this convention. It's the SuperCon. Ooh, I like that. And we got a bunch of comic folks here. Xander Cannon, Rob uh, Guillory, Scott Hanna, Phil Hester, Rick Leonardi, Ron Mars. And the one of the lone uh, media guests at this one is Scott Steiner. The guy who wrote Batman? Right. Do you think the convention tried to book Scott Snyder off the joke and accidentally booked Scott Steiner? Uh, that could happen. As a vi- if you look at this convention, there is nary a media guest other than Scott Steiner. And he is he lives in the greater Georgia area. So it's not like it's a hop, skip and a jump to Iowa for him. You know, you never know. There might He might be picking up a package. You never know. It's, it's the big bad booty daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, hey, all the links to all those conventions are going to be in the show notes, uh, along with information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com. Uh, anytime any of the shows in the network go live, and it's not a real network per se, like nobody's sharing hosting costs, just a bunch of friends getting together, trying to get an umbrella, raising awareness of all of our friends' podcasts. This show that you're listening to, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, at odds with wrestling, final wrestling place. We need wrestling for a variety of opinions on the world of professional wrestling. Wings on Wings, Porch Talk, Puzzle Warriors Three, Profane Arguments, uh, No Chance in Helmet, and of course, anytime any of these folks from these shows appear on other shows, those will show up at soon to be named network.com as well. Uh, be sure to check out our other friends doing stuff around the internet. Mike Sterling's blog over at ProgressiveRuin.com. Um, Kevin Hellion's blog at MaskLibrary.com. Uh, Rick Williams' store, uh, The Chop Shop at FreeKarateChops.StoreEnvy.com. Uh, listeners of the show, longtime listeners of the show, Jason Sandberg and Chris Runt have self-published comic books, Jupiter and Battle Monsters, respectively. We have links in the show notes where you can go ahead and purchase copies of those. Uh, And hey, if you do not have a comic book shop in your area, or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. Comics on the Green, we have their Facebook linked up. That's where Dave and the crew put up the most of information, uh, new releases, when the stuff is in the store, when you can come pick stuff up. Uh, stuff that you could pre-order in the future, um, giving you a heads up on what the latest and greatest stuff might be. And you could also sign up for their mail order subscription service, whether you get stuff sent to you monthly, bi-monthly, weekly. Uh, There's a chance you can get a sketch from our good friend Becky. Uh, You can check out her social media linked up in the show notes as well to see stuff that she's done in the past, prints, commissions, process, all sorts of things. Yes. 
So let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd, and I'll let you start with whatever book you would like. I'm going to start with the book we were both looking forward to most, which is Vanish Number 1, written by Donnie Cates, art by Ryan Stegman. Um, this is a story about a character named Oliver Harrison, who is basically a uh, Harry Potter Batman. Perfect. Album. Uh, that uh, that's pretty much the best way to describe it. He is he stopped a menace called Baron Vanish uh, years ago, and in another realm that was a magic tiered realm. But he ended up losing his parents, so that's kind of the, the Batman thing. And he ends up uh, you know s- stopping them, but the Baron Vanish's uh, uh, g- r- allies kind of a deal end up getting away and uh oliver ends up living in the real world but he's having trouble like you know thinking and sleeping so he's doing a lot of drinking to like try to 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 pass out and doing drugs and stuff like that and then one day he gets attacked and he realizes that uh this well this character called battle rocket who's a superhero-esque character shows up and he ends up realizing that he's one of the baron uh, vanishes minions and he's like okay this is kind of what you're doing now and he ends up you know fighting him and he's like okay if I if you're here I, I, I realize what's going on I could think straight now I'm going to get the rest of them and they end up establishing kind of how the other realm works and the rules that are established and how he kind of broke them and stuff like that, but I really like this book because, like I said, it's a real simple elevator pitch. Like I said, Harry Potter meets you know Batman, and the look of him with the outfit that he wears, and then Baron Vanish as this spider dealy thing going on that he looks like, um, but the legs like close up on him, so like visually he's very you know he, he's, he's it's appealing. Um, I will say this with the art and the writing, this is the most image feeling book i've read in a long long time like this makes me feel like good versions of the original run of like image books like this would have slid right in if that makes any sense like because they've gone with like criminal and and newer stuff crossover which doesn't feel uh, uh, like spawn or savage dragon or any of the the rob stuff back in the day but vanish could have slid right in but it's written very very well yeah. Uh so I'm glad you went through the pitch. Um obviously Batman stuff, definitely strong Harry Potter stuff. Right. Um and and again, if you know, you know. Um I, I kind of felt it was like Harry Potter with a little bit of rising stars in there. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. Okay. With the villains, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to give too too much away there. Um but again, high concept. Um, you know, uh, I, I think I said on uh, at odds this past week, uh, if you take from one source, it's plas- plagiarism. If you take from multiple sources, it's research. He's sampling, Joe. Yeah, right. And I'm not saying that this is thievery by any stretch of the imagination. The design and the look and the feel of everything, um, you know, is very wholly original and it feels very much like a Donny Cates book. You know, the dialogue definitely, and it very much looks like a Ryan Stegman book. Uh, it is, I think, inked or colored a little bit different mm-hmm. than his usual stuff. And 
I'm not sure if it's the same um, ink or color that he's used in the past, but you know, it definitely adds a little bit to his um, uh, to his art. But the like the cover image and the main cover, you had mentioned that this would have fit in right in that first slot of early image books from 30 years ago. Uh, the look of this character is very much the darkness. Right. If you remember that character mm-hmm. who had Witchblade spin out of him and that Witchblade became much more popular for reasons, I guess. Right. The darkness was Garth Ennis for a while. Uh, he, he didn't do it. A re- I don't think he did like the first initial run. I think it was Mark Silvestri. Yep, but it was uh, Garth Ennis who put it on the map for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I said, this is, you know, very a very violent book, uh, a very graphic book, but it's also a very beautiful book. It's a really good story with a lot of twists and turns in the book itself. And, you know, we always talk from years and years ago that the original pitch that was in that, those print ads for Saga Number 1 was, this is Star Wars meets Game of Thrones. And while it is those things, it's not those things. Right. Uh, so to say that this is Harry Potter meets Batman, it is those two things, but it's definitely not those two things. Right. Let's just say it is those things, but it's more than those things. Yes. Yes. There you go. Was Saga originally that and Game of Thrones, or was it that and Lord of the Rings? No, it was Star. It was it, the 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 original print ad said it's Star Wars meet, and I forget who like the quote was attributed to, but it was it's Star Wars meets Game of Thrones. Got yeah. And it's just one of those things that'll always stick with me, and I'll wait for the first trade of this to come out where it says it's Harry Potter meets Batman on the cover. By Long Box Heroes. Yes, definitely. Uh, so another book, um, you know, a usually lighter book that we read and we do talk about quite a bit. Sometimes we don't, but, you know, it's always a good standby to come back to. And that would be Nightwing number 96, uh, written by Bruno Redondo. Uh, I'm sorry, art by Bruno Redondo, written by Tom Taylor. Um, so I guess we could say that this is the end of the blockbuster storyline. Yep, it's the showdown. It's the showdown between Dick Grayson, Nightwing, and Blockbuster. Uh, spoilers from last issue, we lead into this issue that after all of these years of these two being adversaries, it's just now that Blockbuster finds out that Dick Grayson is Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have an epic battle as one of the buildings in Bloodhaven are burning down. Um the previous issue was Dick Grayson with his connections in the mayor's office, um, sending Teen Titans and the rest of the Bat family out to stop all the other things that Blockbuster had in effect. But the way that this book is done, it, it's been one, it's been more or less like one continuous story right. by, by Tom Taylor since he came off the book. And you have like all these like mini arcs. That's why I'm saying. Like, is this the end of the blockbuster part of this? Yes. But it doesn't feel as though, like, this is the end of the main story arc. It's like, this was a branch off the main story arc, and now the branch is back onto the main story arc. Yes. Uh, Because we have stuff with, um, you know, the new uh, established villain, Heartless, uh, that kind of, he's been the through line of the main story as whatever's been going on with Dick Grayson in this book. 
um, you know, it all kind of comes back to these two having that final showdown, right? Yeah. And a lot of this has been um, Dick using his inheritance that he got from Alfred to try to make Bloodhaven better. And part of that, of course, is trying to get rid of the criminal element. Uh, and, of course, the police are super corrupt, and Blockbuster was the one that was behind all of that. And we learn in this issue that even though Blockbuster might not have the same amount of power that he did at the beginning of the story arc, uh, you know, there is still corruption in the police force. Heartless is still out there, so there is still a lot for Dick to do on the superhero side of things, on the authority side of things, and of course rebuilding the city after what Blockbuster had done in the last couple issues. Yes. And this is building up to issue 100 here as well. And, uh, you know, I don't think... This is one of those few books that they could legacy number this and could have got a couple anniversaries out of this, you know? Right, right. And I think November is a five-Wednesday month. So we're getting an annual in November, a Nightwing annual in November, and they very easily could have done that as like issue 100. But I like that they're going with the natural 100, no legacy numbering. It's whatever this current run is. We didn't renumber when Tom Taylor came on. We're just keeping it as is. Yeah. Um, all that, I would 100% agree with you. Uh, Bruno Redondo's stuff is amazing. Um, the like I do like all the stuff going on in Bloodhaven with the people in the background, like rising up and helping when they have to. But the of all that, uh, I agree with you. But this also moves, which is the most important part to me, moves the Babs Dick storyline along the relationship. And uh, there's like three or four great pages with that. Um, so yeah, I'm that's the only thing that I wanted to add is that uh, the relationship stuff with uh, Dick Grayson and Babs is absolutely fantastic. Yep, uh, it's you know, since the inception and pairing of these characters has been a lot of will they, won't they sort of stuff, and you know, Tom Taylor does something in this to kind of eliminate that, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want to give away spoilers because it's definitely a book that you should be reading, you know. I agree. Uh, it's been consistently since Tom Taylor came on one of the best books that DC puts out. And DC puts out a lot of stuff. I was just redoing my list as uh, October comes up, as we lead toward November and December. And uh, for the first time in a long time, DC's tipping the scales versus Marvel on what I'm getting on my pull list. Um, for me, DC's pull, pulled far and away uh, ahead and as of this recording like the new previews will be out you know what i mean so right fantastic well i got my copy last week because i'm special you know oh really yeah say nothing i'll curse off here all right well i only got the big one i didn't get all the other ones i didn't get any of them until this week so oh boy oh well listen you know you're gonna have to have a talk i i guess i just go to special time i don't know well you probably just walk in and you know, you got all the hashtags that people notice, so you got the special stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, hey, that's what we read last week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. 
Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is currently in the lead over me with six correct guesses. And I'm not even going to do the him and Han and scratching my chin trying to figure out what it could be. Uh, the book Todd is most looking forward to coming out this week is Human Target number seven. I was going to try and pull that it isn't, but I can't even do it with a straight face. It's Human Target number seven. I'm pumped mm-hmm. for this. I'm I'm so happy to have this book back. Let's write it out to 12 and see how we end this. Thing. Though I will say yours is a little harder, Joe. I see one, two, three, four books that could be your uh, pick this week. Right. And I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go against the grain because somebody said, and I'm gonna say you were going to take because you guys are good, uh, tight buddies, and he follows you on Twitter. Is it? I hate this place. Number five. It is. That? I hate this place. Number five. I thought it might be Sergeant Rock versus Army of the Dead. But I think you were going to close out Kyle Stark's story. So. Yep, uh, and as you mentioned, um, you know the it's it's a it's a it's a comic book of zombies written by Bruce Campbell. Um, hopefully, this part doesn't go out on the podcast. It's probably not going to be good. Uh, but what? I am looking. For, what I'm I'm looking forward to reading it. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, even though I didn't realize until like I was doing my cover list that they are doing a lot of opportunities for this issue. Oh, there's even a bagged one. I know. With the sergeant symbol on it. So you getting that one? No. One to keep open, one to leave closed? No. Uh, but that, you know, that if for morbid curiosity, that could have been it. Uh, I'm with you uh, on Human Target. You know, Nice House in the Lake comes out this week. Uh, I Hate This Place, as mentioned, wraps up this week. So there's a lot of heavy hitters all on this week. And, you know, I mentioned... Uh, you know, in the poll post that this is my biggest week in almost 11 months. Yeah, I mean, you have a bigger week than me. Well, uh, book-wise, you have a bigger week. Money-wise, I probably have a bigger week. Mm. Um, because I have the Human Target hardcover. Ah, uh, yes. Which is pretty much just... And then on top of that, I have the two copies of Human Target. So I have to get all... I'm a completist on the covers for this, so... Right. It gets a little crazy, but yeah. So I could see us having a five book discussion next week. Yes. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and the current ongoing battle uh, in the Todd and Joe Have Issues slot. Uh, we all know that the Flash has the best rogues gallery in all of comics. Todd thinks that Batman is the second best. I think that Spider-Man is the second best. Uh, so we decided to take the bottom of the barrel of those, uh, characters rogues galleries, put them together in a giant tournament voted on by you, the listeners. And again, the thought process here is what's a more interesting matchup? Green Goblin versus the Joker? Or the Penny Plunderer versus Hypno Hustler, right? I I agree. It's the Hypno Hustler and Penny Plunderer. That's more interesting. It it is because you know, like every site does, like oh, it's the big guns versus the big guns. Well, you're only as strong as your weakest link, and if we get the bottom of the barrel rogues and we pit them all against each other, that's how you really shake out the true worth of a rogues gallery. Can I get this pitch printed that you just did printed on a card? 
so I could just hand it to people when they asked me. It's <laughs> like, what were you thinking? I just reach in and pull out the card and hand it to them. Right. Because that'd be much easier. I don't know. It's almost as though I've said it on every episode of this podcast for the last 41 weeks. I know, I know. But I would like to say before we get into who won last week, because we had somebody talking, like you said, uh, uh, t- tweeted at us and wanted My friend to Ryan, sure. Right. And I was like, okay. And he's like, oh, because K- of course Kite Man goes down because he's cool now. And I'm like, he's not cool. Because he said on uh, Tom King and Harley Quinn, which I've been watching on HBO Max now. Um, very good show, by the way. Uh, and he's like, oh, they made him cool. And I'm like, they really didn't make him cool. He's still a dork. He's just like a lovable dork. Yeah. But by that and Tom King gave him a tragic backstory. A tragic backstory does not make you cool. Um, by that logic, watching Harley Quinn, they make Clayface an idiot. He's he's the worst. He's a dork. He's a total mort in this show. And so is Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner Gordon's always talking about his relationship. He's like, oh, like uh, my wife's leaving me and I just want to be Batman's friend. And he's like, hey, Batman, you want to go get food after this? Batman's like, I got jobs to do. So he's pathetic. So by those transitive properties, does that make Clayface and Commissioner Gordon lame? Because, you know, this one thing happened. So, I say no only because there's so much more good Clayface and Commissioner Gordon stuff out there, and good Clayface and Commissioner Gordon stuff still being made in other forms of media, whereas if you take all, like, let's say, 25 stories where Kite Man's in... It's not until recently where people decided, like, oh, we could do something with this character, where he had been a punching bag for the longest time. Clayface has always been cool. Uh, Commissioner Gordon has always been cool. If they just take one instance, Harley Quinn, the TV show, and decide that we're going to pick on these two characters for whatever reason, that does not wash out the previous 80 years of good stories that these two characters have taken care of. But when a character like Kite Man, who prior to the Tom King thing, prior to the Harley Quinn cartoon, maybe had like 15 appearances that you could scrape together, and in all 15 appearances, he was a joke and a goof and a piece of trash. And now, just recently, in the last five years, they decided like, hey, let's kind of shine this turd up a little bit and see what we could do with it. Um, I'm not saying that he's like an A-list great character on the level of a Commissioner Gordon or, or a Clayface, but at least people are trying. I get it. I just I just look at that and I'm like, I I mean, I haven't got caught up on Harley Quinn, but you get what I'm saying. You know what I mean? I'm just like, I'm watching him and he's like that. He's he, He's still pathetic kind of a deal, but he's pathetic with a heart of gold. Sure. Like, uh, okay, whatever. I just wanted to see how the rules work. But anyway. Right. So on to Penny Plunder and uh, who was the other one? Uh, Hypno Hustler. Ooh, I don't think I'm going to win this one, Joe. Uh, see, you're a liar and a scoundrel as Penny Plunder won with two to, uh, uh, two to one in the votes. Yep. Uh, almost a landslide, if you will. Um, I'm shocked by this. I really thought Hypno Hustler had this one in the bag, baby. The penny bag? No, not the penny bag. Um, but um, 
It's a big win for Penny Plunderer, I'd say. It is. It knocks off one of your big ones. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, now, this, what was that? There's only a couple more I'm worried about. And I did like the way the, the brackets are shaking out now. Yeah. It may end up being a lot of Spider-Man versus a lot of Batman in the brackets. Yeah. But I think you only have one Spider-Man villain left in the Batman brackets. And I only have one Batman villain left in the Spider-Man brackets. And by that, I mean... That's what's left in them. So in the end, we're probably going to come down to a Batman versus a Spider-Man. Yeah. So if I'm looking at this, you know, um, it's and I put the bracket and it's an ongoing update of things. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, Penny Plunderer moves on. As mentioned, we have one, two, three more matchups where it's Batman people head to head. And we have two more in this in the Sweet 16 here. And we have two more matchups where it's Spider-Man people head to head. And we only have one more matchup where it's a bat versus Spider-Man villain coming into the final eight, right? Right. Um, that being said, it's a very good ch- sadly, like I said, there's a bracket here where it very well could be all Spider-Man people to get to the very end. I get what you're saying now. Yes, yes. You see what I'm saying? At the yes, I'm, two- I'm with you now. So it definitely, it, it, there's a very good chance that it is going to be a Spider-Man versus Batman in the finals. Um, so this week's matchup is a matchup for me, and that is two Spider-Man villains, Video Man uh, versus Chai Talk the Chicken Cow. Uh, Video Man has been like a sentimental favorite to uh, our listeners, uh, really enjoy how bad of a character he is. Um, I'm torn, of course, because I think they're both pretty terrible. Um, if there was going to be the next matchup being against a Batman person, I would say nobody vote. Let it be a tie, and then they both go on to the next round. Um, I think that's how that would work, because we've never had a tie yet. Um, but I think both are pretty strong contenders. Um, just because he has, like, the fan sentimental vote, I'm going to suggest... And I'm going to put my backing behind Video Man. Uh, I'm happy no matter who makes it out of the ne- in, into the next round. I honestly don't even know on this one. Like, so I can't really say back one. I'm just going to let this one shake out. You get what I mean? I think, let's just say if one is 51% bad and the other one's 49% bad, I could flip those and be fine with it. Right. So I'm just going to put it up to the listeners and let them figure it out. For sure. Uh, if there's so, a tie, I think they both go. Right. They, well, no, they both go into the next round. No, they both go. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll see what happens if there's a tie. Right. It's like the miniature golf ep- episode. It's the, the person who doesn't win has to go. Oh, okay. Uh, and, hey, uh, we are, uh, you know, we've kind of hinted a little bit here and on After Dark and on the Patreon shows that next year in this spot, we are going back to reading something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have like four ideas. We're still kind of uh, fleshing it out. Once we figure it out, you know, if we kind of are still wishy-washy on it, maybe we'll put this up to a vote as well with the listenership. Right. How do you feel about that, Todd? I'm fine with that. All right. Uh, did we have any art attacks this week? We did from Jesse DeYoung. Um, he says, I got to meet three heroes of my youth, Jeff Anderson, Brian O'Harrowin, Jay Muse, but couldn't get in to see Kevin Smith. 
My bucket list remains full, uh, full sadly. Three of the four signatures on this animated clerks I did for fan Salt Lake. Someday I'll be able to get, get uh, Kevin. So he ended up drawing uh, a picture of them all together with a bear, dri bear driving car. Um, I'm hoping that someday he can get the bear to sign it too, Joe. Right. But, but that is, I mean, that is fantastic. And, you know, he got a bunch of them to sign. And he wants to get more. I do hope he gets who he needs and finishes off his uh, dream little piece of art there because that is fantastic. Yeah, that definitely is a good one. Yeah. Uh, Clerks animated series might be the lasting legacy of uh, the best thing that Kevin Smith ever do ever did. I know you're a big Clerks 3 guy, so... They made a second Clerks? Yeah. Or I didn't even know they made a second Clerks, let alone a third one. Oh, huh, that's like, interesting. Uh, yeah. No, I know you're a big Clerks 2 guy, but I heard, like, uh, what is it? Uh, What's-his-face lives around here, doesn't he? Uh, I was gonna say, uh, yeah, there's a rumor and innuendo that uh, Dante lives relatively close to our neck of the woods. And does a lot of movie watching at the local theater, so... Yeah. If only we had someone that lived near Dante and could befriend him and get him in one of the group chats. Oh, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> and then on a lesser extent, it was not so much art so much as uh, he ended up uh, uh, photoshopping something. The Ginger Avenger ended up uh, photoshopping his kid to look like the Corinthian, and he has teeth eyes. And there's... I thought the Corinthian was creepy, Joe. Until you make you make uh, child Corinthian, and I think that might be a smidge creepier. So, did he not uh, tag the Todd's art attack in that? He did, but you have to get the thread. Uh huh. You'll see it. It goes to Longbox Heroes, and then he said his wife took a picture of our two-year-old, and the smile reminded him of Corinthian. Um, so I kind of have to, you know, I, I. Uh, mystery tweeting that. That was on me, Joe. Okay. My notifications are still uh, a little screwy with the new phone, you know? Yeah, my notifications are shot, too. I get notifications like 10 minutes after they're they're up. So mm -hmm. I think I have too much going on. I think I have too many uh, Saco accounts going on, Joe. I hear you. I hear you. I'm trying to turn off notifications for the other six, you know, and just filter out the one. Right. Well, as long as you keep the words one active. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, hey, Pigskin Pickums, you know, I'd say it's a little too late maybe to sign up. Uh, we are in week three of the NFL football season. Uh, Todd, with a fall from grace, from second place to sixth place this week. Oh, my goodness, Todd. I stumbled, Joe, but that don't mean I'm out. Right, and uh, son of the Ginger Avenger is in first place as we speak. Uh, a lot of Ginger Avenger adjacent folks, and I'm still uh, holding strong in thirteenth place. Yep, you're you're only one win behind me. I look and uh, I, I will say this: um, if I'm beating you and you're a football fan, you really need to maybe have a, 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 a come to Jesus meeting with your fandom. Is all I'm saying. I think so, too. Yeah. I think I'm no longer listening to certain people anymore, and I'm doing my own thing, Joe. Mm -hmm. Where are they on the list of things? They're tied for me, one of them is, and one mm. of them is way below me. Gotcha, gotcha. So a lot of people make these picks with their heart and their head, like their heart instead of their head, you know? Right, right. They should just pick by what's, what is the nicest helmet. Oh, if there's only a way to figure that out. 
Mm. Uh, I mentioned No Chance in Helmet this week for the podcast plugs, right? Uh, yeah. All right. So, uh, hey, uh, if you want to help us out, support us, uh, you can make a purchase through our store link over at longboxheroes.com. We got shirts and pins and stickers uh, with our fancy logo on them. If you want even more designs inspired by this show, After Dark, a bunch of the other shows in the soon-to-be-named network, head over to our T Public store. Uh, you can shortcut yourself there at tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. Uh, no sale this week, but the October sales will be starting soon. So uh, bookmark your favorite item. Purchase it next week when everything's 35% off. Uh, you can also sign up for our Patreon. We mentioned it a couple times before. As little as a dollar a month, you get all of this. You get two extra podcasts every month from Todd and myself. One is a movie show. This year we're looking at the films of independent filmmaker Mark Pirro. And previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago, this month's previews catalog. Uh, we just released uh, for all of our patrons September 1992, which was Death of Superman. We got October coming up here soon. And, you know, this is the time, like, image comes up. Death of Superman happens. This is where a lot of people, I think, fandom either started or maybe they look back on fondly for nostalgic purposes at this era. And if you want to look back fondly, listen back fondly, you can. You could look at those preview catalogs. They're all scanned up, professionally done, high-quality, high-grade scans of all those preview catalogs. So even if you don't get a chance to listen, you could look at those catalogs and walk down that memory lane. Uh, $5 a month is going to get you those podcasts two weeks before everyone else, and it's going to get you Longbox Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else, so that you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. You could also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. It's the banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. Does not cost you anything extra, but they, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include somebody purchased for the PlayStation 5 both Hogwarts Legacy, which I think is a tie-in to Vanish, and Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion. Uh, I like the Final Fantasy games. I remember playing those on the PlayStation and PlayStation 2. And I understand that they remastered them, but they broke it up into like four different games. It's real weird. Uh, I don't know. I'll go play the original. I don't need fancy graphics and pay, pay for this, like pay four times for the same game with nicer graphics. I don't know. That's just me. But thank you for purchasing it through our Amazon click through. Sure. Uh, somebody also purchased the wind through the keyhole, which is the dark tower number four and a half, I guess. Uh, Kindle version. Somebody also purchased Horani pure made dark chocolate sauce pack of four and uh this goes into the uh collections it's not the single issue stuff somebody purchased the first volume of powers from brian michael bendis and michael avon oming uh, i think it just got a new printing a new pressing uh with all of bendis's stuff going to dark horse so definitely check that out it really starts off strong and then uh if you're going to read the whole thing you'll it's very clear where it starts to peter off a bit you know mm-hmm and uh, I would be remiss if we don't really hit this one up too, too much, but this is always a thing that you could do. 
Um, if you do a free trial of any of the other products that Amazon offers, whether it be the Prime Video channel, the music channels, the Kindle stuff, whatever it is, um, if you sign up for those free trials, um, we get a bigger kickback. And like literally, like you could sign up for like you could sign up for the free trial on a Monday, cancel it on a Tuesday, and we still get the bigger kickback off of it. Uh, we had three people do the uh, the the free trial of the Prime Video this week, and uh, like I said, those all add up. So we do appreciate all of that. Yes. Comics wise, uh, people who put up their uh, Comicsology to Amazon, um, that we have Fantastic Four number forty-seven, um, also Mech Strike Monster Hunters number four, Stuff of Nightmares number one. I'm just going to say Batman the Night, number nine. Uh, DC versus Vampires All Out War, number three. Batman One Bad Day, number one, Two-Face. And finally, Batman Superman World's Finest, number seven. Always love to see what people are Yep, and uh, definitely thank you for figuring out how to get your uh, comicsology hooked up through our uh, click-through and get your comic books. Sure are a lot of Batman books that come out every week, huh? Mm, sure are a lot of Batmans out there. Certainly are. Uh, so I think that's all we got for the main show before we get into TV stuff. Yeah, I believe so. All right. So, again, if you're not up to date on uh, She-Hulk or Stargirl or Andor, uh, this is where we will bid you adieu as we uh, get into uh, these shows, right? Yes. So, uh, just because the way that everything worked here at the house, um, I don't have notes for She-Hulk, because I actually got to watch it in my living room on the TV alone. Oh my goodness. Yeah, which doesn't very, which happens never, right? Right, right. Um, Jen does tell us that this is allegedly a self-contained bottle episode, Mm -hmm. uh, where Jen is called to be a bridesmaid at a friend's wedding, uh, someone that she hasn't talked to in quite a long time. And, of course, the friend is a bridezilla. And, again, of course, uh, Titania figures out a way to get herself invited to the wedding uh, just to cause She-Hulk grief. Uh, and hilarity ensues. But I definitely think we're introduced to a character who has the potential to be, at the very least, a recurring character. And, hopefully, a good romantic interest for Jen. Uh, that's your A story. Your B story is Mr. Immortal. And, uh, that stuff was fantastic. You know who Mr. Immortal is, right? Um, I, I, like, he looked familiar, but I'm not sure if I knew who he was. He is Bib Fortuna done right from Boba Fett, uh, Book of Boba Fett. Oh, f- there yeah, fake Boba Fett, or th- yep. fake, uh, Bib Fortuna. Yeah, no, yeah, Bib Fortuna done right, Joe. No, 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 no. So I was like, I'm watching him. I'm like, I know who this guy is. Um, and that's fantastic. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was all around fun. It was interesting to see uh, the two characters of Mallory and Nikki kind of, like, like become friends. And then they end up finding uh, the Intelligentsia website, which was very interesting because I think that's going to play uh, a long part in it. But I loved – the wedding stuff with Jen because she promised she would be Jen and not She-Hulk to take away from the wedding. But because she had the we- the bridesmaid dress made 
for She-Hulk. She was just swimming in it. And she ended up going to the bar, which was a cash bar, which was fantastic. But that Walking on Broken Glass song, and she's dancing. And that was the moment that the actress who uh, who plays Jennifer Walters, I'm like, she is just adorable and lovable. You know what I mean? Like, all the time. And that's what's really making She-Hulk for me, is how much I really like both the She-Hulk character and the Jen. But I'm going to disagree with you on Josh, who is the love interest at the show. He's 100% using her to get close to just Jen so he can prick her for the blood. You think so? 100%. Oh, look at me. I'm a softie. I think there's a real romance there. I, I agree. But when they start, I'm, I'm an old fashioned, like I put on my detective hat, my detective comics hat when I'm watching these and the run up to the show is like, they have the, I don't know. Do you fast forward through the, like the recap or do you? No, 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 no. Okay. Well, the recap did a lot of stuff. Like she Hulk did this and she Hulk won her case and she's fighting Titania, but then they hit hard on, uh, who was the, who was the, the group, the, they're the, the wrecking stuff. crew. The wrecking crew that they want the blood they want the blood and it didn't work out and i'm like if they do that in the recap something in that episode we're supposed to be reminded of it for some reason and the only thing i can come up with is josh is a dirtbag and he's gonna betray her and try to get that blood because he's gonna love her for just jen and not shield oh you're breaking my heart like i said i thought there'd be true romance here right and the fact that we got the inchettable uh the Incredible Hulk, he was the DJ. Good thing that he's got another side opportunity going on, Joe. Right, I know a guy who could uh, use that as a side opportunity himself, maybe. Yep, so all around, loving She-Hulk, loved the idea that it was a bottleneck episode, and she even says, you know, it comes at the most inopportune times, and I don't care if you want Daredevil, he's not going to be in the show much, so get over it. Uh, so next up, I would say that we'll uh, talk about Stargirl. Sure. All right. Uh, so uh, Stargirl, we pick up uh, from last week. And listen, we get, I'm going to say, um, this was maybe my least favorite episode of Stargirl to date. Mm -hmm. um, and I know um, I've addressed this before, but I really don't care about Icicle Jr., and I don't. I really don't care about the romance between him and Stargirl. And his realistic icicles? And I get it, right? The parents are grooming him to take over the dad's job, and he can't figure out that the blonde girl that he's in love with is also the blonde girl who's Stargirl. And he's giving up his art. And then, like, they have the moment at the end where he gets to, like, use his powers in front of her without being afraid that he's going to hurt her. I don't care about any of this. Right. Other than Jeff Johns bringing in emotions like he does in every story that he does. So, like, because remember she's saying, like, I use emotions to, to use the star staff, the, the star uh, man staff. And he's like, you use yours. So when you're angry, the, the powers go off and hope can make you. So I'm like, okay, maybe we're going to get Blackest Night done right over here. That's all I can think. Oh, maybe he'll get his redo on this, right? Right, but I'm with you. I'm not a big Icicle 2 Electric Boogaloo guy. Yeah. Um, I really don't care. I'm more interested in the other stuff. And I'm off my thing that Joel McHale is going to become a Jack Knight star, man. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so uh, I still think there's a chance that he could. 
Um, but I think there's less of a chance of him being like evil or corrupted. Definitely. Cause he's definitely not the killer. Yes, definitely not the killer, especially since like, you know, he has a lot of the same whatever's that happened to the gambler, but he was able to survive, of course, because he's stronger than the gambler, uh, even though he was in the hospital unresponsive and in a, and and again, listen, I'm a I'm a longtime Joel McHale fan from back to the soup days. And he looks good. You know, he's an older guy now. He looks good. He's not like some like 60-year-old decrepit man. But uh, the shot of him in the hospital bed with no product in his hair, oh yeah, was shocking to me. I was like I like I held my heart. I'm like, "Oh my god. He allowed himself to be filmed like all natural. I can't believe it, right?" Yeah, if he's 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 uh he's like uh, not ugly ugly. He's Hollywood ugly there though. Yes. Um. So he's so he comes to and they bring in Doctor Midnight, Doctor uh, Midnight, the original Doctor Midnighter. Mm-hmm. Um. And we and again, just like how Todd mentioned, like oh, at the beginning of She Hulk, we get like a little bit of recap stuff, but it's very specific, poignant recap stuff that they want you to remember for this episode. It's like oh, hey, Doctor Midnight hasn't been in any of these episodes lately. Let's catch you up to date on what he's been up to since we haven't seen him in like seven to ten episodes. <laughs> I was like, oh, Dr. Midnight's going to show up. So uh, we learned that prolonged exposure to the cosmic staff um, not has changed uh, Joel McHale, but, like, he's been absorbing the cosmic, um, like, radiation or whatever, and it's given him uh, Wolverine slash Norman Osborn super healing powers. Mm-hmm. Um. So survive being killed by the injustice society. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they find out that he went, uh, that he went back alone to try to search for more clues at the gamblers thing. The rest of the JSA, the kids go there and conveniently right before they leave the Dr. Midnight goggles that Beth has on, uh, picks up a skin cell and they bring it back, and it's a single skin cell. It's non-human, and it's untraceable. And as she mentions this to uh, Dr. Midnight, the original Dr. Midnight, he says, we came upon that once before in one of our JSA investigations. It's definitely the Dragon King. So uh, Mike and Jakeem hear this, and they decide, we're going to go investigate. He's probably in the sewers. That's the last place he was seen. We're going to go investigate. We don't get a follow-up to what they're doing uh, at the very end, uh, but it definitely feels as though while Cindy has the laptop and she's definitely doing stuff with, like, blue and red liquids and beakers like any good scientist, Yep. Um, she's also apparently becoming more reptilian, and maybe that skin cell that they found isn't for the Dragon King. Maybe it's for her. That's why the killer has multiple names, Joe. Right. I'm thinking they're going... Did you ever see Batman Beyond the Return of the Joker? Yes. Where he, like, programmed Tim Drake to be the Joker? I think that's what the Dragon King did. Like, she's slowly, like, becoming him, and or he's she's possessed by him. Somehow, but you get my meaning. That's kind of why uh, they're saying that the the... The genie said that there's two. The Thunderbolt said that there's two, that multiple names. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I do kind of think that's going that way. But two of my favorite side stories are well, not favorite, but it was interesting to see Yolanda's uh, mother, who I just hate. Her mother's the worst, like still picking on Yolanda. They have to get th- they're getting thrown out of their house, it looks like. But she's just a big meanie. But then the thing that I do love is anything with Barbara and Paula, a.k.a. Tigress, when they have their bond because uh, Tigress threatened Tim, who's all Mr. Thumbs Up now. I I like that. And then she gives uh, Barbara a gift. Because and she made it herself because that mean that shows that she cares and she stuffed like the freakiest looking like uh, she taxidermied an animal and she's just petting it and I'm like give me my Barbara and Paula Tigress spinoff now and I'll be 100% fine at least like a Thelma and Louise esque road trip adventure mm-hmm. where uh, they uh, uh, they run into a problem. Uh, Barbara's puzzled about it. And then she leaves. She's like, I don't know how we're going to get out of this jam. And then it just gets taken care of off screen. It's like, oh, how did this all get worked out? I don't know. Let's go before the authorities show up. And I don't care how evil you are or how good you are or whatever it is. Everybody can bond over the outlaw Josie Wales, Joe. That's all. Yeah, definitely. Glad they got that Warner Brothers, you know, that's under the Warner Brothers umbrella so they can use footage of it, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I, well, and again, I don't know how fair use works. I didn't watch the credits to see how that was uh, listed in there. Right. But uh, I'd like to see. It's, so, and, you know, obviously that is leading to Sportsmaster and kind of everyone joining up together. Um, you know, obviously Sportsmaster thinks Joel McHale's a maniac and Joel McHale thinks Sportsmaster's a maniac. And one would think that the thing that they have in common is that they're both maniacs and would be best friends if they weren't so much alike, like each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Stargirl was good. Like the parts that weren't about Icicle uh, being sad about using his powers. Yeah. Well, when he joins the J- when when it's everybody on the show is in the JSA, it's going to be fantastic. We're going to get there eventually, I think, you know? Yep. Yep. Is this only six episodes this season? Is it that many? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm about to look it up. I feel as though I ask every week. Right. I, it's almost like we should end up doing a what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a list in the emails. Um, maybe it is, but that's only because that's as many as IMDb has. So I right. know that that they've extended it later. If that makes any sense, as we're watching it. So right. Uh, so I guess uh, last would be uh, the three-episode uh, season premiere, series premiere of Andor. Starring everybody's favorite guy from Rogue One. Andor. Cassian Andor. Put some respect on it. Cassian Andor. Um, you tweeted out that you have things to say about this. Yes. So right I'll, let you go. I'll, I'll let you go first and I'll chime in where I can. Right. So it starts out kind of a deal with Andor in this like corporate run area with they have their own corporate cops. And he ends up going to what we now fully, you know, just write out and say brothels in the Star Wars universe. And he goes looking and he's asking and I forget what the people were, but his people, um, he's looking for a woman. Canari. Canari. 
because that's uh, like a big plot point later on. But right, I just couldn't remember the name. I didn't have it written down. Canari, um, the Canari in the coal mine kind of thing. Um, but he ends up going and he asks, like in this in this brothel, and this lady comes on. He's like, you know, there was no, there was a Canari woman here, but she left. And uh, these two cops end up getting mad, and they end up hassling him, and he leaves. And, and I, I, I need to interrupt. Like they're like we learn later that they're like not even really cops. They're like rent a cops. Right. They're the corporation's thugs that run the area. They're like yeah. more like security than cops. Yeah. So they end up hassling him. They 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 follow him and they end up saying, like, oh hey, you know, jerk, whatever. And he's like, uh, where'd you park your your spaceship? And he ends up going, like, uh, I have 300 credits or whatever in my pocket. If you leave me alone, they're yours. He goes, that's just enough for the, for the fine. And they end up getting into a scuffle and he kills one of them accidentally and gets the blaster off the other one. And the guy's like, tries to talk him down. And he ends up going like, listen, we'll go in. I'll say it was a misunderstanding, uh, blah, blah, blah. And he's kind of begging for his life. And Cassian just shoots him in the face. And that's when I knew I was all in on this show, Joe. Like, before we get to anything else, I was like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about what we're watching here. There's no, like, a grand, like, truly white characters, maybe truly dark characters right out of the gate. Cassian's like, whatever I need to get done. And I'm like, okay, I'm looking forward to this to smooth out to the guy who's selfless by the end of uh, Rogue One. Right. So he ends up going back. I'm sorry if you want to chime in anywhere there, but that was my big moment. Um, no, I, I, I chimed in uh, where I can. Yep. So he ends up going back to the free cities, the free sector or whatever. And uh, the co- the security ends up realizing somebody was killed. And the old grizzled veteran who runs it doesn't even want to mess around. He's like, I understand this. I got the Empire breathing down my neck because this is five years before the Battle of Yavin. He's like, I just want to get this over with. Uh, so he ends up saying, I'm going off. You just make up a false story that they're martyrs, but not too big of a martyr because we don't want to parade. But the second in command who had his suit tailored because they're all their baggy suits and everything. He's just a suck up. And he ends up getting in his craw that he's going to find justice. And he gets his sergeant to like, uh, like who's, who's fantastic. Who's a Kool-Aid drinker. And they're going to hunt down the Canari person who's Andor. And we get all that. I love the, the, the second in command who's, who's a bully to the paper pushers, but then can't even give a speech to the cops. Yeah. The so that's, security guards. Uh, in, the sh- uh, in the show, his name is Cyril Karn. Karn. Or, yeah. Sorry. Um, but, he's, but he's like, a, like, yeah, he's like big boot licker. And he's the one like, I've got a little tiny sliver of power, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to run this power as much as I can, you know, where he gets like in the later episodes. And again, we're going to be bouncing around. It's three episodes, essentially one big episode, right? Mm-hmm. Where he convinces. Uh, and oh, and that's the other thing. Like all the other security guys are kind of like, you know, maybe not in great shape. Maybe like borderline portly, as you mentioned, like maybe a little disheveled. Maybe their suits don't fit exactly right. You know, They're maybe they don't take their job and... as serious, you know. Right. And all it takes. You know what? Picking their noses and looking at their watches. Yeah. So all it takes is for this Karn guy is just to be the one of like, I'm going to be the one to whip everyone into shape. 
he convinces the other guy to get like a battalion of 12 people to go hunt down uh, Cassie and Andor, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and these are guys who, you know, they're skilled, you know, they're security, whatever, but they are not prepared for what they come into, you know? No, they're not. So, like, Cassian goes back, and he's, like, in this scrap planet. Like, they do scrapping. And he ends up, you know, having to cover himself because he killed somebody. And he ends up going to his best friend, Brasso, I believe it was. Yes. Is my favorite character in the whole show. Like, Brasso's fantastic. Because when he shows up and Andor starts laying out the plan, he's like, I came over. And uh, we went for a drink after work, but... We didn't have any money and we couldn't go here because I owed. And he lays out the whole plan. And the guy's like, okay. But then he puts the extra pepper on top where he's like, oh, okay. Cause the cops beat him up. He's like, well, you besmirched my home and I, and I clocked you on. And it's like, so he fills in all, like they are such good friends. He fills in all the gaps that Andor needs for his side story, which is fantastic. Um, and he ends up, talking to like his mother he has his mother and her robot because every uh star wars show needs a sassy robot um well that's not just a sassy robot that's b2mob for short Mm -hmm. and uh i know we had uh you know you got your bb8s and then you had your girl bb8 in um in obi-wan where does a bmo the uh, the droid with a stutter because he has a data lag. Mm-hmm. Where does he fall on your power ranking of droids between BB-8 and R2-D2? Well, he's always above R2-D2 because R2-D2 is a trash robot. <laughs> um, but he is not BB-8 quality. But I would have to say of the robots, the sassy robots... BB-8 is my f- my favorite one. The Black uh, Empire BB-8, the knockoff. Um, but I will take BB-8 over. But I, yeah, I do like him. And we end up meeting uh, the the uh, his uh, Bix, who's a woman that he's kind of confided in. And her boyfriend, who is Tim, I believe, which is the least Star Wars name I've ever seen. Well, it's Tim with two M's. Oh, well, I'm Todd with two Ds. Does that make me Star Wars? No, you should be Todd with one D. Oh, okay. Um, so we, like, run out these characters, and and uh, Bix knows all about his past and that he's Kanari. So when uh, uh, Andor talks to his mother, he sheds up something like, who knows that you're Kanari? Who did we tell? And they go down the list, and it's funny because they start – uh, not in a good way. They start like accusing each other. It's like, well, who have you told? And who have you told? And we end up like throughout the story, end up getting their story, how Andor is adopted by this lady. She ended up finding him on his backward planet and uh, like one of those like less technological planets. And there was a mining colony there and they ruined the place and a ship crashed and she ended up coming to salvage some things and found him there knowing the empire would kill him. If uh, they found him. So she like drugs him and takes him away. And we don't find out through the three episodes what happened to the sister, but she must be out there. So that's why he's looking for her. And to jump to the end of the third episode, the flashbacks, how it weaves in and out is kind of great. Yes. It rhymes. But when you get to the last episode and him leaving the free planet they're on and leaving Canari and how it, it matches up 
is brilliant. Like that's when I'm like this show after the big action scene, I'm like, this might be the best star Wars show that's out there. Uh, if you get, if you, if I don't know if you agree with that or not. Uh, it's good. It's good so far. It's still a lot to, um, you know, kind of get into with this. Right. right. And then the, the cops, the, the fake security guards show up and they end up attacking while uh, Andor, who needs money, uses Bick's connection, who turns out to be one of the rebellion who was in Rogue One. Um, his name is Luthen, and he shows up and he's like super, he's like James Bond super spy. And he shows up in the uh, in the bus coming into town. And me and Adam were talking about this, our favorite robot of all time. BB-8 may be great where B stands for, where R2-D2 stands, but the steps robot for the bus, did you see that when it like pulls up? Yes. There's a little step. Like not all robots can be heroes. I do <laughs> want the story of the step robot. You know what I mean? Right. He goes off and has adventures. That would be fantastic. Now, did you mention, you know, of course, uh, the Bix character, because um, um, uh, Andor goes to her, and says that he has, like, this untraceable star pass gimmick, right? Right. An, an important thing that the Rebels would need. Right. Because it's off of an Imperial ship, and that's when she goes and reaches out to uh, Luthen, who's the contact in the Rebel Alliance. Um, and it's as they, the security people, led by Karn, are looking for the... Um, the uh, the the uh, canary person with the dark features, and they have a picture of Cassie and Andor without his beard and stuff. And it's Tim who ends up selling him out. Did you mention that? No, I was going to get that Tim. Who okay, fixes his girlfriend who's jealous of Andor. It's totally one hundred percent. So uh, he ends up selling him out, and they come to the planet. And when the security guards attack. Yes, they're not prepared for what they get. They're not terrible, like you said, but them attacking and they go see the mother um, and they, they like slap her around and the robot kind of gives with the, with the lag gives away Andor's spot. So they end up going to try and find them and the whole city goes on alert and they start banging like all the sounds like in, 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 in unison. Yep. And that gave me goosebumps. Cause as it went on, it went like under your radar. Cause people would talk. And the mother was like, listen, your problem isn't the sounds. The, the, the sound is when the, your problem is when the drumming stops. Yeah. And because it was lower under the, the sound, when it stops, you get goosebumps. And that's when the bass solo starts. That's why you have to worry that old joke. <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, when the, when the when the when it kicks out and they all look around like what's going on, like and then it just it turns into a great action scene where Luthen and Andor have to get away, and uh, like all the things on the chains are like falling and dropping in front of them. <laughs> I was gonna and, say it's it's luckily they decided that their meetup place mm -hmm. to do the deal for this rare imperial uh, tracking thing. Was in the abandoned engines unchained factory. Yep, and uh, so they end up like basically whooping all the all the uh, the security. Yeah, they just outmaneuver them. You know, yeah, they're just they get, yeah. They get the best of Karn, and Andor's like, "We're going," and Luthen's like, "Kill him, man." 
Like, you won't do it, I'll do it. But he ends up not doing it. And I think that's kind of, you know, going to be. Do you think that's going to come back and bite him in the tuchus there, Joe? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Kind of, sort of. But they end up getting away and uh, they end up blowing up a bunch of the uh, the security guards. And I do like that, that, uh, like, he like already the that uh, Carney has, uh, like, ADD. Like, or, uh, he's, like, he's already got post-traumatic uh, syndrome because it's, like, blown up. He's, he doesn't know what to do. And all this, they were supposed to keep it under the radar from the Empire. I don't think that's going to go well, Judge. Right. And, you know, they, they when Luthen gets involved with Andor, they're a good team. They do the decoy with the getaway vehicles. Uh, they get the setup where they, like, tow one of the giant engine chains to, like, one of their escape vehicles. So the as he's trying to that. escape, that causes him to, like, you know, like the the ship to explode and cause a distraction. And these two guys who just met, you know, just because of their common bond of, you know, uh, Andor wants to find his sister, Luthen sees something in Andor and could, like, bring him into the rebellion. Just the bond between these two together that quickly are able to take down, like, all 12 of these, you know, I would say not highly trained, but definitely trained uh, low-end Imperial folks. Yeah, and the thing that I like about it, too, is, and I was discussing with a couple of people, and I do believe it's going to happen, but we're three episodes in and there's zero Jedi stuff. Um, Because I've talked with a couple of people, and I'm like, I'm Team Scoundrel over Team Jedi, and that's what I want to see more Scoundrel. Um, I do think there's going to be somebody who's Force-sensitive, because like Sassy Robots, you need Force-sensitive people. But uh, I don't know. I'd like to see, you know, Cad Bane again so Star Wars can be relevant again. Um, I don't know. I just – I really enjoyed this. This was – I think I'm pumping this up because it was everything that I wanted, and they gave it to me. Even though a lot of people said the first two episodes were boring. I was like, I really like it. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not boring. Definitely uh, world-building, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. And I just think it's though – Rogue One is a very maligned, excuse me, a very maligned movie in the new Star Wars movies. I really liked Rogue One. Um, You know, people say that the characters weren't memorable. And, you know, it was a ton of new characters introduced in one movie. And then it's like, well, here's all these new characters, spoilers, and we kill them all. But, like, here's also Princess Leia and Grand Moff Tarkin and Darth Vader so it's like, oh, you don't really care so much because, like, the people that you know are in there, right? Right. This is taking that little sliver of a character who's only in one of the movies and building his backstory. And building, like, his origin and his backstory to kind of add a little bit to Rogue One. I could definitely see myself once this is over, and I think this is already, like, picked up for a second season? Yes. Um, the way it works is is you are going to get, and I don't know if it's going to be a a season, a year, you're going to get the whole five years up to the beginning of Rogue One. Oh, okay. And, like, you're going to see how he meets uh, K-S-E-S-O or whatever, the robot, um, and all that. They're like, don't expect it right out of the gate, but I think it's only two or three seasons, they said, and that will encompass all five years. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And then, obviously, it has to have an ending when you get to the beginning of Rogue One. 
Right, and it's when when this is all over, I could definitely see myself revisiting Rogue One to kind of like put these pieces here into that, you know? Right, and and top it off, if you will. Yeah, and and I'm with you because I think the hardest part about this episode is one, and they you know took a, a risk with it, um, that they have the whole thing on Canary with no subtitles. Right, no subtitles, no dialogue, no nothing. Right, they have a little bit of dialogue, but it's in another language. And all we get is like Cassie, uh, like the sister says his name. And I do like, because you, you don't know who the kids are, that they gave them the fancy uh, colorful necklaces so they would stand mm-hmm. out yeah. amongst the other kids. I was like, it was really smartly done. But then, like you said, the only characters that we that we have any inkling of are Andor and Luthen. And so that's kind of like why it's hard in the first two episodes. But by the time you hit three and we're running like in the red with all the action, it brings you in. And I see now why they dropped all three episodes. It's kind of like we said with uh, WandaVision. It's like you have to get them out of black and white and into the second episode. And so you could so people understand what's going on. And I'll just close by saying this. I know you said, you know, Team Jedi, you're Team Scoundrel. I'm Team Alien. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, any f- Fortuna guy, yeah. I'm a big Fortuna guy. Give me the freaky aliens. And that was, if I have a complaint, there weren't really many freaky aliens in here. They were mostly just like background players. And because they were background players, um, maybe the makeup effects on some of them weren't the best. Oh no! Like there might have been like there was a there was a tentacled person who was like I'm not gonna say like a Bib Fortuna. I think he'd be more in the the Kit Fisto look. If you're familiar with Kit Fisto, star of Attack of the Clones. Sure, sure. Um, where like he had like these things coming off his head that looked like they should be like either soft or like lay on his body or something like that, and they just looked like. It was a first pass on a makeup. He's only going to be on camera for a few seconds, and you're only going to see the back of his head. But, like, it's just this blue-headed man with, like, these weird pointy things coming out of the back of his head. I'm like, oh, that's a little out of place, isn't it? You know? Um, I just want more freaky-looking aliens. You give me more freaky-looking aliens, and I'll be on board. I was going to say, I thought we were going to get out of here without a nitpick by Joe. I, again, it's just that you're coming in like, oh, this is, the best, this is the best Star Wars thing that's ever been done. And I'm like, I, ah, I can't that. be sold on it yet. You know, I need more I, freaky aliens. I said, I think it's the best Star Wars TV show. Oh, okay. I didn't say the best Star Wars ever. I said the best Star Wars TV show. I mean, Mandalorian season one was good. Um, but I think I want to see where this goes, but it gave me everything I want. And they killed that traitor Tim. So with two M, so it was okay. Right. Um, how many parts does Harvey Corman play in this? Um, not enough. Zero. So again, not the best star Wars TV thing yet, you know, but I, I'm hoping they do bring in his species that drinks through the top of their heads. Yes. That'd be a nice homage. If they do that, then I'm team freaky alien, so... Right. All in all, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, like that, it was good. I just want my freaky aliens. I gotcha. I just want my scoundrels. And you got your scoundrel. Uh, so, hey, that's it for the show. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this was episode 625 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying, see you all here next week. 
You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.